0: That story. Other people's perception of you ain't
1: none of your business.
0: Everything you've ever been through, set through, rose through, cried through, prayed through,
1: everything is a setup for your next best season.
2: I wonder if this is what normal people feel like.
1: Well, like Eleanor Roosevelt said, well behaved women rarely make history. And nothing says mental
2: health um, podcast live, like say, starting with, I drank a whole bottle of wine.
1: Hey everybody, welcome back to the show.
3: Welcome back for another week of Bipolar Girl, where we're heard in over 70 countries, globally, worldwide, and continue number
1: around. always
3: changes. No, it's always 70. I say 70 plus. It's really higher actually. You I, say I 73,
1: 76. Well,
3: because it is it is it's closer to 80, but I always try to ma- maintain modesty. Um Oh, and, she's
1: already having problems with Podbean. She didn't receive the
3: email. What well, she said she didn't get the email. Yeah. You know what? Uh, let's see here. I did I put it in the in the uh, uh, the description of the um the meeting requests.
1: Okay, well, let's just help her out.
3: No, we're going to help her out. We're going to help her out right now. I'm going to help her out. Uh, I think Amy. Amy is Amy's in.
1: Oh, is Amy? Amy's coming.
3: Yay! Hey, how are you, Amy? How was you? Good, week? how are you? I'm good, thanks. You know, just another day of dealing with... You know, I guess we just always have to, like, just resign ourselves to the fact that Podbean is just going to always uh sort of have challenges for you know mm-hmm. because it's technology. I mean, what yeah. are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? So yeah. I heard I'm looking
2: heard- at a white screen right now because like Podbean decided not to actually show me Podbean.
3: Oh nice. Oh really?
2: Which actually isn't a problem because we can still hear each other. So no yeah. big deal. You
3: know, it you know I you know we should probably just call them up and like give them a piece of our noodles. <laughs> It's like, yeah, excuse me, guys. I think she's in. Who is this? Oh, oh, that's her. Yes, it is. She made it in. Wow. Send her a talking invite. That's really good. Oh, okay. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see if we can get her invite her as a speaker and see if she can. So meanwhile, while we're getting our guests set up that you actually have connection to as well, Mm -hmm. tell us how your week was. I heard you had some good news, some new news. Is it okay to share publicly? Not yet. Okay. I haven't okay. told
2: some of the other um stakeholders. So maybe okay. in a week or two.
3: Okay. All right. Yeah, but that's like, good news. No, okay, good. That that sounds amazing. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah, so but other than that, how was your week? Good. Anything um, fascinating you want to report?
2: It's in the seventies in Chicago.
3: That's unbelievable. Are you guys like basically at the beach?
2: Pretty much.
3: That's really yeah. So yeah. It's
1: like eighty degrees here. It's ridiculously yeah, warm it, here. It was like eighty six
3: nice. degrees, for sure. Oh, I
2: I like the heat. I will literally like go south in the middle of summer because I can take the ninety and a hundred.
1: Oh, you're braver than I am. You're braver than I am. We we did Florida one year mm-hmm. in July or was it June?
3: Uh, I think
1: it was June. We yeah. did it in June and it was.
3: Horrible. It was, Amy. It was so bad. It was oh. it was stifling. Yeah, oh.
1: it was horrible.
3: Oh, where, where where did her meeting? Amy got her meeting invite last week. Where did uh-huh. it... for some reason it's deleted off the calendar. Interesting yeah that doesn't even make what was her
1: she went out and came back in so invite her again
3: okay so anyway honey tell everyone how your week was my
1: week was good um i got big news today um Mm -hmm. i uh was accepted into kent university
2: very nice
1: yeah i'm very excited about that so there's there's two more that we're waiting to hear from but kent was one of the big ones that i wanted Uh so that's very exciting very Um, cool I don't know, it's been two weeks Not much has really happened in two weeks
3: Did you tell them what you um, Do you want to talk about what you'll be studying?
1: Oh, uh, Master of Library of Science so I'll be a librarian.
3: Uh, well, you'll be more than that. You'll be a digital archivist. And, you know, it's more than just, like, your typical, like, elementary librarian who has, like, the, either the mustache on her lip or the little mole on her chin. Like,
2: Oh, my God. You're being so mean. It's so I am being mean.
3: mean. All right. All right. I'm being mean. I'm sorry. <laughs> that is mean. I'm sorry. Fuck.
1: Librarians give us the books.
3: That's true. We need them. They
1: are the keepers of the books.
3: That's true. They are the keepers of the books. Um... Uh, But yeah, so you will be And apparently, listen, everyone out there There is a huge market It's a shortage So they're paying now, librarians Almost, I mean, more than Like So it
1: depends, it depends If you're at your local library, you get a modest You you have a modest salary If mm -hmm. you work in academia Or in um, The government or places like that Then you have quite an Impressive salary so it just depends on where you choose to go.
2: Okay, so when you've got your master's, can you please move to Chicago and get me a hookup at either like the eight-story <laughs> city library or maybe the Newberry
1: Library? Yeah, there you go. We'll go to Chicago.
3: You know, I've It's never so fun of, here. Is it? Because I've never thought about like Chicago. But, you know, I mean, you guys do have that big lake. hmm And culture and high fashion. I was gonna say
1: there's a lot more than academia,
3: (laughs) like intelligence, intellectual capital, all those wonderful things. Fantastic
2: theater, everything from like the really big Broadway and an absolutely opulent opera house to like tiny little stage local theaters where you can just have 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 some fun and do whatever you want.
1: You're in the theater a lot. Mm -hmm. You always post about going to the theater a lot. Yeah.
2: Mostly lately, opera. We've got some really good opera
1: companies. Oh, opera! Uh uh-huh. I love the opera. Yeah. I like opera. That's We've
2: a got good like app. four different good opera companies, really.
3: You know, it's it, it's one thing I haven't seen in a long time. I haven't seen the Pirates of Penzance. Um, I'm not quite seeing the Green Banner. She should have a notification, um, Lourdes, that says accept as a speaker. So you,
1: can you add her as an admin? Would
3: that help? Let me try adding her as an admin and see what what happens. Yes, we want her to we want her to join as an admin, and you should you should have you should see it now. I mean, it should be some sort of notification. it's not a, no, it's not. It's just you just have to get used to it. Um, we will let me see if I can. What was her email address again? I'll send her the link. Oh, there she is! There she is. Did it work? Yeah, it should have worked. There it says is. you
1: are a speaker now. Oh, Yay! We got it. Yeah,
3: it's not us. It's not. It's not anyone. It's just a matter of learning no, the it's new. A, it's definitely me. I'm
1: sorry. No, <laughs> no, no, no,
3: no, no. And I don't mean it like that as a, like a slap. <laughs> like I mean it. It's like it's really if you don't. I don't know if it's intuitive, but it doesn't appear to to be intuitive. And that's my apologies, I own that because we decided to use this thing, um, this program, but it does take a little bit of getting used to. So my apologies, I'm so glad you stuck with it.
0: Yeah, I didn't realize we had... I I guess I have to use my phone to this
3: thing work. Oh, your phone?
1: Oh, a lot of people do end up using their
3: phones. Well, you know, when it's on your computer, I think you have to download you have to use, you know what? You, you have, have
1: to use Chrome. You
3: have to use Chrome. Um, and so if you want to go do that, yeah, you have to use Chrome and it doesn't work with any other Safari, Explorer, it just works with Chrome. So it's up to you. Yeah,
0: I think as long as you guys are hearing me
4: now. Yes, yeah
0: we are.
3: If, if you could please just increase your volume just a little bit. How's that? Yes, Perfect. definitely. Awesome. All right. Well, so now that you're on, um, let me see. You were finishing up your week, no, right?
1: I, that was my week's news.
3: So, Lourdes, do you want to tell us how your week was?
1: My week? My week has been,
0: uh, it's, it's been a week. <laughs> I don't know. I don't I get to ask that question very often. it's a
1: hard question like it seems like it's such an easy question and like i should really be prepared for this because we do this show and he asks me every single show how was your week and i'm never prepared with anything like i don't i don't know how my week was
0: (laughs) it's kind of hard to answer that question to people that you're not super familiar with you don't know how to i'm not just gonna jump into like you know the day's problems
1: but um
0: (laughs) it's been it's gone well i
1: can't complain at all well, that's good. That's good.
3: Well, it's it, you know, it's funny, it's interesting you should say that because we have some people who just like love to like share. Yeah.
1: Uh-huh. We have the and over you have the oversharers. The
3: oversharers and like who are like you're like, Oh my god, I didn't need to know that. I didn't need to know that at all. <laughs> no. <laughs> They're like, Well, you have.
1: Steven is an oversharer.
3: I'm not an oversharer. I just I'm very I'm a sharer. You're I share. A sharer. <laughs> I, I share. Two
1: people you're a sharer you don't share. Is
3: exactly. that no, no middle ground <laughs> yeah. well that's good i'm glad you had a good week i, I think you know ultimately my week was i think well I, um you know it's allergy time in the dmv so the the cherry blossoms have bloomed and and it's pretty it's pretty insane out there like i just i can't even believe like um,
1: you can't breathe i
3: can't even breathe I like cannot i cannot breathe <laughs> really and, so, and are you in new york now
0: yes i'm in new york
3: Yeah, so did you understand this weather we've been having here? It's like you know, it's pretty much comparable DC to to I mean to New York, a city. It's you know, it's eighty six. It's one day, it's like sixty. The next, can't keep up.
0: It's beautiful, but also terrible.
3: Yeah, all at the same time. All
0: at the same same time, time, which is uh, encompasses what New York is.
3: Beautiful. Yeah, well, that's true. Terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Poetic. Poetic. Um, well, you know what? We are super excited to have you, um, Lourdes, on the show, and you know, and welcome from New York. You know, it's one of my favorite cities. And uh, do you want to just introduce yourself a little bit, um, and then we'll get into your book? But just why don't you just kind of tell everyone um, in Bipolar Land all about you? And just to let you know, we are heard in over seventy uh, countries world, worldwide. And I wanted to actually before we even get to that, I wanted to oh, kind of. So South Africa, everyone knew about, but Saudi Arabia has jumped online. Um, they're now listeners. New Zealand has, like, come we back that. in a big way. Um, of course, Norway and France. France is, like, is now listening. Uh, they're and then, very
1: busy in France. I'm surprised they're listening.
3: That's true. Romania is now on. Um, Honduras. I'm just giving some of the new ones. i don't going to read the whole list to everyone. Guatemala, Chile. Uh, been Denmark, I think I already said Denmark, but Japan, and of course, Italy, one of my favorite countries in the whole world. And of course, Iceland, but and Indonesia, and also I I said Malaysia, but it was the Philippines, the Philippines. So i to let you know that we're we're constantly spreading the word. And we're so excited to have you on. So kind of tell us a little bit about you, your background and who you are.
0: First, I want to say thank you for even asking me to come on here. Um, not much of a big, hey, look at me kind of person. So this is immensely nerve-wracking. Um, and if I didn't know how to answer how my week is, I don't know how I'm going to answer who I am. Or- <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm a New York-based children's book designer. I work at work publishing kids. Um, we f- primarily focus on educational content for children and nonfiction. Um, and that kind of encompasses who I am as a person. It, it's it's not just my job. I think of it as something I think about all the time, and it's it's it affects every aspect of my day. I'll be mm-hmm. washing the dishes and think about books and content for children and what I want to do
3: next. You don't, that's, <laughs> go ahead, honey, go ahead.
0: Do you write the books? Do you illustrate the books? <laughs> so as a designer, I design the books. So we okay. work, we find... Um, we work with editors and publishers and production people to find the right authors, to find the right illustrators. And we take both of their wonderful works and we bring them into one book and design them. We don't often think about, you know, how the book comes together. Sometimes there are places where the illustrator comes up with everything. In our case, we take the illustrator's work. We take their wonderful pictures and illustrations and we add text to it. We lay out the designs. We come up with the covers and all that great stuff. So
1: that's my job. That's actually very interesting because you don't actually think about where it all comes from. <laughs> yeah,
3: no, I remember like when you and I were first married and, and our oldest was small when I worked at handwriting without tears. I know, Lord, I don't know if you've heard them, but their early childhood readiness and handwriting curriculum. And we used to, of course, Jan, uh, Jan Olson, who was the founder and creator, is an occupational therapist, and so she, of course, you know, was the brains behind the curriculum and the framework and. Um, and, and then of course, once she did that, it was always this sort of struggle between that marketing and then the design and it's keep the integrity of it looking like a children's book versus something too slick. So I understand sort of that battle between the creative part, the marketing, publishing part, yeah. and then also the actual sort of pedagogy or the curriculum part.
1: Ooh, yeah. mm, look at you using your big words. <sighs>
3: She's frisky because she just got accepted to Kent and her master's program. So she's feeling a little frisky today.
2: She's library science, so she has access to the books. That's I have true. access to the books now.
3: That's true. I guess I, I guess I deserve that for making fun of librarians. Yes, in the, in the I'm beginning. in charge of the books. That's true. Um, all right, Lourdes. So where are you from originally?
0: I'm from New York.
3: You're New York born in Bur-boro.
0: Uh I was born in the Bronx. I live in Long Island now.
3: Where in the Bronx? Are you at Riverdale or were you over closer to Yonkers?
0: Riverdale's a funny thing sometimes. People from Riverdale, you ask them where, where they're from. They're from Riverdale. Oh, the Bronx. No, Riverdale. Riverdale. I, know. <laughs> I am no. from the Bronx. I'm from oh, the, uh, around Or the are North
3: they North. always justify being from the Bronx by saying, yeah, I'm up above, what is it, 250th? Yes. <laughs> two, six, six, two, six. Like, they always have to justify where they're from in the, in the Bronx. My family grew up in Co-op City.
0: I'm I'm close to Yankee Stadium, on 161st Street in Grand Conference. Oh, okay,
3: there are a lot of Eastern Europeans in that area too.
0: Is uh, are they?
3: Yes, and <laughs> I tell you why. Because my buddy, um, actually his partner is from Europe, and apparently there is a whole co-op. They are not too far from the stadium, and they bought up a bunch of sections of build buildings and and turned them into cooperatives, and they're all Eastern European. Huh then i also learned that there's a little italy in the bronx too there
0: is and it is phenomenal
1: is it It is. that's our favorite thing ever when we go to different cities is to find little italy i would say it's the
0: true <laughs> little italy it's, really yeah it's beautiful like we're talking about fresh bread and we're talking about mm-hmm. hand movements we're talking of, yeah that <laughs> that's the little italy you want to go to when you go if you ever go to New York and you're
3: looking for something. Uh, we're always in New York. We're friends in New York. But I just learned about the Bronx, um, Little Italy. And I was just going to tell Rebecca, I was like, "Honey, we have got to go check it out. It is this place that has this sandwich that's like about 1,200 layers tall. Like, it's amazing looking. It's like, a, it's like it has prosciutto. It has fresh mozzarella. And all that. It, it looks so is good. Is it a Casa
0: de Mozzarella?
3: I think you're right. I found it was on insta. It was on Instagram.
0: I that is my favorite sandwich to get. It is. <laughs> it is. It's, it's like prosciutto. Well, at least the one that I get, it's prosciutto. It's fresh bread that they create. They make there. It's fresh moats. It's sun dried peppers. It's yes. balsamic vinegar. Yes. Glorious.
1: Oh, oh! Well, now we have to go.
3: You speak in my language. Now we've got a recommendation. Well, the next time we up there, we we'll, we'll we'll call you, an email. You can you, know what? you can take us. The
1: part about that is that you, will, if you go past two o'clock, they have no bread. No kidding. Oh yeah, I'm sure because everybody comes.
3: Yeah. Yum. All right, so you're from the Bronx. We we definitely come. we could sit there and probably talk about food all day because I'm a foodie. Rebecca's a foodie. In fact, we realized we had this interview tonight. We were like, oh, we're gonna go out and have food tonight. Uh oh, we won't make it. We so. won't make it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then you're um Missy and you went to city college in New York, right? So you're a CUNY grad. Yes, I am. Right on. Cheers to public education. I'm about Absolutely. it. it and, cool. Yeah, it I, I
2: teach at uh, the Chicago version of CUNY. Oh. The Chicago city colleges. It's so much fun.
0: It's so amazing. It's so mm-hmm. such a great way to like meet people of all different mm-hmm. walks of life that I don't yes. feel like you get very often in any experience in your life Mm
3: -hmm. well i used to i don't know if any of you guys knew ladies knew this um but i I used to go to i used to attend new york institute of technology the campus in manhattan and they had one in old westbury and central Nice. it wasn't quite public but like i wish i'd actually gone to one of the suny zikunis because it's a better deal honestly yeah like and like you get a you got a better education for sure No, that's really, that's really cool. So tell any, any, you know, anything, are you, are you raising young people? Are you partnered? What do you do for fun?
0: No, uh, (laughs) no, no young people. Um, What do I do for fun? Like I said, every aspect of my life has to do with something art related Mm -hmm. or some project. Um, I don't know. It's kind of hard to say. I kind of bounce all over the place. I recently started uh, with, trying to get back to my roots. So I went to high school at Furlough, LaGuardia. It's a performing arts high school in the city. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's, they kind of give you a taste. It's a lot of art training. So they give you a taste of everything you can think of, oil painting, acrylic painting, ceramics. So I kind of lost touch with that after becoming a designer and it's, it's surprising how much you miss it. Your hands miss mm-hmm. the feeling of, of what they started out with. So I've been getting back into that and mm-hmm. I've picked up stained glass, which kind of defies mm-hmm. everything I just said because I've never touched stained glass before. But it's it's been a new medium that feels familiar, but it's also brand new and it's challenging mm-hmm. and I want to quit every time I pick it up, but that <laughs> lets me know that I need to keep going. Um, yeah, I guess that's what I've been working on lately, stained glass pieces.
1: Yeah, stained glass, from what mm-hmm. I understand, is not an easy no. art form.
3: No, it's not. Uh,
0: many cuts. Many
3: yeah. Cuts. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, you're definitely tough. I mean, because I couldn't handle that. I mean, I'd whine like a baby if I cut my hand, you know? Yeah. In fact, oh. I have. Like, yeah. I mean, Rebecca looks at me like, such a weenie. Toughen like, up. Toughen up a little bit.
0: <laughs> no, that's <sharp> definitely the life of an artist. You're going to get cuts every second. At this point, I can cut a lemon and not cry
3: good grief so in and, and in terms of like what do you so as an artist who are some of your favorite art artists and what period would you say before we get into the book manny's mood clouds which I'm super happy to dig into but I we love getting to know the author and a little bit about them and you You're seem fine. really fun so I'm enjoying myself so <laughs> Thank yeah
0: you. um I don't it's kind of hard to say a favorite of anything. I think especially now nowadays, we're, there's just too much to absorb in our lifetime to say that one thing is our favorite or even a group of things. There's Everything's fleeting, I would say. Um, but I think off the top of my head, I would say an artist named Nuri Dur. Um, he's a modern day artist, artist. He does amazing work with um, Copic markers, I believe they are. And he does a lot of fan art, but they're... It's just, I, I have a couple of his pieces hanging on my wall, and they're always a constant reminder of why I do what I do.
3: And that's D-E-R-R?
0: Yes. D- uh, D-U-R-R, I believe. No, oh. N-U-R-I-D-U-R-R.
3: Okay. All right. And and so, all right, I won't belabor the part. Oh, I'll check this out. Let me see. Oh, this is really cool.
1: Oh, he's on his website. He likes his website. Oh, that is <laughs> awesome.
3: Oh, kind of anime meets like the old futuristic of the 90s. Would you call yeah. it art? I, forgot what
1: you I don't know, but it's fantastic. <laughs> oh, just... I love it.
0: And you know, anything 90s related, I'm all for it. So this this person is like the painter yes. to me of fun. And this is distinctly his style. But it's also like the the thing that I love. We got Metroid, you know, Super Mario, Link, and and just all these fun things from our that he's bringing in in a new way. That's exactly what I try to encompass, or at you least know, what I'm thinking about.
3: You know, I you know, and I think about the innocence of like the 90s, yeah. um, and you know, and, and I'm looking at this and I'm remembering like how we thought video games back then and cartoons were a little too racy, and I'm thinking about what they are now.
1: Oh yeah, what our kids play or try to play. <laughs>
3: Yeah, wow, that's interesting So let's get, so Lourdes, we're so happy to have you on the book I mean, on the show um, And we want to talk about Manny's Mood Cloud And I know that you and Dr. D, you guys have some sort of connection, right? You guys
2: Well, I wrote the afterword for her book So it's her book Um, The publisher hired me to write uh, a little afterword Kind of a guide for parents But this is totally her thing Lourdes, did you do the art for the book too?
0: I did, I did, and also Amy, I want to say thank you so much for for that. This is when I started this book. I started this book in college mm-hmm. um, for my thesis, yeah. and it was a thesis project. They gave us three months to do it, and we kind of we had a gallery space to fill. We had to do every aspect of it ourselves, and this is that was the guide to for parents is what uh-huh. I wanted that I never got until right. this moment. So uh, that was thank you so much for doing that.
2: No problem. Thanks. Oh, so, they paid me in books. Like they offered me my choice between cash and books. And so I got to pick out a whole big bo- box of books. Wow. So, so
1: what is the inspiration behind the book? Um. Well, both my sisters
0: are psychologists. Uh, so I've been, and, and just in my personal life, I'm surrounded with people who deal with mental health issues. And I myself have mental health issues challenges that i face every single day so it's something that i'm i'm i wake up and it's a part of my life so i knew Mm -hmm. i was going to do this book eventually at some point um so when my thesis came around i knew i didn't have any hesitation with what i wanted to do and that's Mm -hmm. what i did
3: that's the that's amazing um do you go ahead amy i I think you want to dig in i can tell just
2: i mean one of the things I really loved about the book was the metaphor you used of the clouds. How did you come up with that? How have people been responding to it?
0: So I, I, I don't, it's one of those things that kind of just comes to you. So mm-hmm. I, again, i love children's and anything mm-hmm. that has to do with the nineties and, and just that moment of childhood for me is the kind of feeling I try to cling on every day mm-hmm. too. And so I thought, what is a way I can talk about this do what felt to me at the time big topic for kids. We don't, at the time, even a few years ago, I didn't feel like we were talking to kids Mm -mm. at the level that we should be about our emotions and, and feelings and moods. So I said, how can I make this digestible for them? And I don't know, the the idea of clouds came to mind. And from there, it just, it, it, when I say it was truly a a one shot kind of thing, all Mm -hmm. of my ideas, the way that I started this book from the sketches down to the final art, nothing much changed in between. Mm -hmm. And that was a a surprise to me and my professors and everybody, but it it, it was meant to happen that way. Mm -hmm.
2: So it sort of showed up in your head, fully formed. All you had to do was figure out how to make it real.
0: Yeah, and I often mm-hmm. whenever I'm creating anything I think I always relate it to molding the clay. So uh-huh. this the, the idea was behind the clay and I just brought it out if mm-hmm. that makes any sense.
3: It does. And you know, just just can I interject in terms of like now culturally speaking, Lourdes, um are you a Lat- Latina? Yes, I am. Okay, and um and and would you express maybe um, culturally, what this book means, um, you know, to your community—it
0: yeah. means, especially God.
3: communities of color.
0: Absolutely, it's no secret that communities of color often find it a bit more challenging to express ourselves in any type of way, but especially about our feelings. And I can only speak to my community and my family, um, it, with my family directly. It was never an issue to speak about your feelings, but it wasn't something that was embraced it wasn't something that we was brought out of us and so to to make sure that i made this book even more important was to make the characters look like me and to Mm -hmm. try and relate it to people that may look like me and may not have these conversations with parents and people close to them when i brought these books a part of my thesis was to bring these books to um to schools and Mm -hmm. read it to children and i specifically sought out schools in the bronx and Mm in in diverse areas and I was pleasantly surprised to find that the kids were so engaged and they understood mm-hmm. the topics and they were willing they wa- they wanted to talk about their emotions and it's mm-hmm. it's not something that I had I can at least say for myself as a child especially a child of color to speak about my own feelings mm-hmm. so it was this was it was needed
3: mm-hmm.
1: how long has the book been out when did it come out it came
0: out this year uh about three months ago Mm-hmm.
1: very nice
3: and, and it's timely especially i'm sorry amy because I, I can feel it even when you want to ask questions but it, you know it's certainly timely you know in a, a time when you know not only just kids of color but kids in general coming out of yeah. COVID, we're having to learn lo- we have we ha- we have to learn how to communicate um uh and and, and 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 communicate well and you know it's my buddy is a new york city educator too he's over in brooklyn and he taught and he works at a predominantly uh, sort of um, Hispanic community in Brooklyn. And he talks about this, like, you know, 15, 20 or 30 minutes of his class, even in history, um, is spent really trying to get the young people to warm up and just open up and talk about their, you know, you know because they don't understand people who are, you know, complaining about little things when they know that so-and-so may have gotten stabbed or shot, or, you know, they, they might be trying to get the lights I mean, I'm just being real. The light's on. Um, and so they're guarded that way. They don't trust. So all of this other, you know, sometimes this restorative justice piece even, it's hard to, like, bond with people, especially if they're coming from a perspective, like you said, they're not really communicating and they're not, it's not taught at home.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally. And it makes, I mean, we eventually become adults who don't know how to answer the question, what, how has your week been or how are you mm-hmm. doing or how are, and, and that's not to say like specifically I'm relating to myself, but mm-hmm. it's a challenge every single day to figure out how to express myself. And I, I'm i in therapy and I have a psychiatrist and those are all steps that I take for my well-being to kind of mm-hmm. undo what was me, purposefully or even not purposefully done to make me feel like I can't feel or mm-hmm. I shouldn't feel. And I don't know. I, I, I don't even have words to describe how I feel. So I, I wanted to add something to the mm-hmm. market or just a resource for, pe- for people and kids to have mm-hmm. something to talk about emotions with. And clouds seem to work.
3: Mm-hmm. I had a buddy from Honduras. I had a buddy from Honduras, and I'll be quiet. Amy, you can go. I was like a buddy from <laughs> Honduras okay. who went to school with me out in uh, Long Island, and he used to tell me about, um, um, about you know this whole feelings thing, right? Because, um, and 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 it's like and it, when when he was raised, it was like, what's the point? We're trying to survive in this street. If you blink, if you if you if you cry, that could be the matter of like you getting like, you know, take it out, and mm-hmm. like you don't show emotion. So it's like, and, 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 and it's not until folks come out to like Long Island, in, in a sense, where they begin to start maybe starting to break some of those habits. But yeah, you're right. It's, it is it is layers upon layers upon layers. Sorry, Amy, I'll be quiet.
2: Not at all. I just wanted to talk about how you framed the book through the eyes of Manny's brother. So instead of just focusing on the child that was the main one with mental health problems by focusing on the brother as kind of the narrator. Yeah, the narrator. Um, it brought the whole family in. So not just teaching people about what it's like to be a child with a mental illness, but to be like the sibling who's watching and trying to figure all this out. And I felt like that was a really powerful way to frame it.
0: Yeah. I, I, I did that purposefully because I mm-hmm. don't, I, I, I am not I wasn't a child that had mm-hmm. a mood disorder so it's not a perspective I feel like I could have talked about honestly uh-huh. but I was the sibling of someone who has a mood disorder and has mm-hmm. a mental disorder that affects their mood and it's I know what that feels like and what it what I, if I was a child I would imagine this is how I would have described these feelings mm-hmm. and watching you know my sibling deal with this and, and his yellow cloud and, and his you know his his anger the way it would it would elevate and his sadness, mm-hmm. the way it would really take him down, and his paranoia, how that would, it, it, yeah.
2: And then, you know, later in the book, you show the children doing kind of pro mental health activities together, like yoga, and, and the whole family is at the therapist. And and I really liked that because a lot of times with clients, I see children, you know, who don't have an identifiable mental illness. Kind of either getting pushed out of the way and they just have to you know go do their own thing because the family's focused on the child who does have a mental illness or they get parentified yeah. um, the children who are not mental illness and kind of have to be little grown-ups and that's not good for them either so I felt like this was a really good kind of role modeling of healthy ways to keep the children all of the children involved
0: yeah I, I think when you have a loved one or you are someone with a mental illness it's not just something that affects you it affects every mm-hmm. person that you touch everyone that interacts with you and it's a part of your life and loves you they're going to feel it as well so it's mm-hmm. not just something that that affects you and i wanted that to be known because a lot of uh, more kids that we then we know have and siblings and and friends that have disorders that it, it really takes a toll on you, too. You don't know what to do, and you don't know how to help you feel helpless. And as an adult, that's already hard enough. But as a child to feel mm-hmm. helpless, it's another level.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: So is there anything else that you really want people to get out of the book that we haven't already talked about? What else does it mean to you?
0: It. It. I often refer to this book as my baby. It's. Mm-hmm. It's. I've carried this book for since 2018 Mm -hmm. and then i started a kickstarter for it during the pandemic and self-published it myself Mm -hmm. and jessica kingsley uh, publishing came to me and and had me asked me if they they could publish it and it's just i i really just want people to utilize this book as and 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 i don't want this to be a book necessarily just for kids i feel like nowadays adults could really use Uh, a little bit of a simplified way to to figure things out you know Mm -hmm. yeah um I I just I want this book to be a resource and that's that's the only word that comes to mind is a resource that I didn't have and that I feel like we're getting more of and it's a beautiful thing Mm -hmm. where can people find the book they can purchase it on Amazon they can purchase it on at Barnes and Nobles at Jessica Kingsley Publishing.com um yeah I believe those are three big big sources
3: what are some of the sort of feedback what what are you getting from the community or from people who are reading or have read your book like what what's the reaction
0: there at least from from what i'm seeing, i'm getting nothing but positive um feedback about how this is exactly what i said a resource that Mm -hmm. a lot of people wish they had um Mm -hmm. and i i couldn't be happier about that
3: that's excellent. And so and and what and what's next? Do you continue will you continue on with Manny's Mood Clouds?
0: I don't think so. I think the story that I wanted to be told for this particular issue has been told the way that I want. And I think there are plenty of other issues that we could be discussing and that could use another, you know, there's never too many books in a category for mental health and mental resources mm-hmm. for children. So there's plenty um to do as my job keeps me busy as a designer working with educational content for kids and so that's always going to be something that I'm doing but personally I hope to create something talking about ADHD Mm -hmm. Um, my nephew has ADHD and Mm -hmm. watching him kind of he's eight years old and he's he struggles it's hard especially nowadays Uh, medication is even a thing that is not even available anymore no, mm-hmm. which is really scary and it's yeah. it's just it's, a, it's again another resource that we need at a time
1: no that's very true i mean there's all kinds of shortages i guess on adderall mm-hmm. now so and that's ritalin. fun oh and ritalin okay i didn't know about the ritalin yeah mm-hmm. not a fun
0: thing but no um, yeah, and he he and he can sit down with me. And Manny's mood cloud was also a resource for him. He was able to use the clouds in his younger years to explain how he was feeling when he did mm-hmm. it. So it's it's this book. I think back to Manny is just for a second. It's not just for yeah. kids with mood disorders. It's for any child, and just to mm-hmm. just to talk about feelings.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, and I think when we don't grow up talking about our feelings and we become adults who don't know what feelings are, I mean, my therapist's favorite mantra to me is I have to feel my feelings because I will just intellectualize them and move on. Oh um, and it's just when you don't grow up talking about it, you don't have the words for it as an adult.
0: Yeah, that's yeah, that's exactly what happens with, with my therapist where I'm an extremely logical person and I can... I can break down the logistics of the feelings. I just don't know how to feel them. Yeah. Yeah. And that's my life.
1: (laughs) I haven't figured it out either. So Yeah, when you if you do let me know, please, because I'm struggling. (laughs) Yes, I I haven't figured that out either. So one day we'll get it.
3: No, that's that's very true. But you know, it's interesting when you talk about ADHD. Uh, you know, as a for young people, you know, to what, is, Amy, I'm, and this is probably a more clinical question. Mm-hmm. To what of to what extent is it, uh, you know, youth and going through puberty, and to what extent is it you begin to mature and or as and, and learn coping mechanisms um or either just grow up grow out of it like what wh- what's the prevailing thought there i don't like with- oh go ahead i Rebecca. don't
1: think you ever grow out of it i think that what we all did was we learned not so great coping mechanisms yes. to deal mm-hmm. with it
3: yeah you're right
1: and so it, it doesn't show up in our lives as much anymore as adults they're not very healthy coping mm-hmm. mechanisms sometimes but i don't think we ever grow out of it mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. I, and if i may add i I think a lot of these things that go unrecognized, especially when you're a child, and and let's be honest, a woman, uh, ADHD in women is is a little bit of a, in girls, let's say, in younger girls, it's not as diagnosis with boys and you kind of just think, they grow out of it. Um, Mm -hmm. With these things, you just kind of develop as, like, parts of yourself that fits to society and it's seen Mm -hmm. it's deemed as a positive thing oh my god you're so efficient you're so like you can do all these things so quickly and you can you have a mind for four or five different things it's because i have adhd and i'm undiagnosed or Mm -hmm. or, (laughs) yep you know exactly but society has said it's a good thing so you don't need a diagnosis
1: we can monetize your adhd so it's cool exactly yeah Yeah. if we can monetize it then we're keeping it yeah
0: my uh my partner is a nurse. And she is, she just recently got diagnosed at 27 mm-hmm. with ADHD. And that's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's a, it's, it's a little bit outrageous, but it's not, a, it's exactly outrageous that we have monetized mental health in that way. But
3: Yeah. It, it's, it, it's interesting just looking at sort of society now versus society then. And it's question for me is, are we just more intellectual or uh, more intellectually aware or were we just ignorant back then or just turned a blind eye? Like, or Because it sure seems like a lot of these these mood disorders and also ADHD, it seems like we're at a higher percentage now
4: mm-hmm.
3: versus maybe 10, 20 years ago. And I could be wrong. Maybe we just didn't know what it was, you know? So
1: I have a great example of this because everybody says that there's more of it now than there was before, right?
3: Mm-hmm. So. I'm not saying empirically that's no, no, true. No, 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 I'm no. saying it feels that but way. But the
1: reason that uh, this can explain why it feels that way. So when they used to beat left handedness out of children. That
3: well, was one of them.
1: There was only like a very, very small percentage rate of people who were left handed. Right? right. Because mm-hmm. we forced everyone to be right handed.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now that it's okay to be left handed, mm-hmm. that. Spiked. It didn't go through the roof, but it spiked. Now there's more left handed people than there was before mm-hmm. because it's allowed now. And I think that kind of shows what with mental illness, like there's more of us now because we're more aware and we're allowing it to be.
3: As society becomes more progressive, or pro- progresses, we we learn to deal with these like challenges, illnesses, morbidities, whatever they are. Because mm-hmm. remember, a they just used way. to lock us away. That's true. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, yes, this is very true. This is very true. Um, I know we kind of digress, but I love these conversations when they get really. <laughs> When they get real, you know, I hate scripting. This is why I have, part of it I don't even script anymore because I'm like, I want it to just come from the heart and, mm-hmm. uh, and want to talk to people. Dr. D, is there anything else you want to, want to dive into with Lourdes well, while you have her online?
2: Well, on that ADHD topic, just how many people go undiagnosed still? Mm -hmm. And sometimes it is funding in the schools. There's not enough funding for school psychologists for the testing, which can be quite expensive. Um, Sometimes it's just, you know, people are still mistaking it for behavior problems.
4: Mm -hmm.
2: If it's the inattentive type, you know, Mm -hmm. people can go years without that being noticed. Mm -hmm. And like, If I'm diagnosing ADHD, I'm not even really, you know, an ADHD expert. That's not what people primarily come to me for. But sometimes I'll get somebody who maybe has a lifetime of anxiety and depression Mm -hmm. and much lower performance than you would think, Mm -hmm. given what their intelligence seems to be and things like that. So ADHD doesn't even always present as ADHD, especially when it's an undiagnosed adult. You just see the consequences in their life and you have to figure it out from there.
3: And Lourdes, how has your partner, what were they dealing with? Amy brings up a good point. What were they dealing with leading up to the diagnosis? Like, you know, so what was life like?
0: It was a lot of feeling like, my gosh, I want to do this thing. This thing being the dishes, this thing being daily tasks that we do as adults. And I want to do it so bad. And I'm paralyzed. I can't Mm -hmm. do them. Mm -hmm. And Mm. it, it was like, it's one of those things where you go about life, people say you're lazy, you're not productive enough, mm-hmm. you just don't have it in you to do what, you don't have the chops, man. And it's like, no, I, I just have undiagnosed ADHD. And that's, you know, once she was diagnosed and got medicine and has been dealing with it, mm-hmm. it's gotten so much better And in the form of a whiteboard mm-hmm. in which we write down our day-to-day tasks and our chores that we need. And just something as simple as that has made the world, of, a world of
1: difference. mm mm-hmm. Isn't it funny how something so simple can change just so much?
0: It's something that you're almost insulted someone when it recommends you, a whiteboard. Yeah. And then you you're do like it really and you're like, Oh my god, my life has changed.
1: <laughs> but when they do it, you're like, Oh yeah, sure. Okay. A whiteboard. You're a little, whiteboard. Mad about it.
0: You're little mad that the whiteboard is what you <laughs> the whiteboard works. <laughs> Damn it. Let's see if like your mom says it or something. Oh yeah, <laughs> if
3: your mom
1: says it, then it's definitely it's like it's the wrong, worst. False. You I know, don't. Need
3: like, it. How dare you say that to me?
1: How dare that work? <laughs> how dare that work?
3: <laughs> it's it, it's very true. It's very true.
1: Yeah, there was something that we learned. Um, our son is ADHD, and something that I learned um, from him is, and it happens to me too. I happen to have it too, but. The whole out of sight, out of mind. Oh, like, if yeah. we put things away, they don't exist anymore. <laughs> mm-hmm. So like Stephen is always like, we'll put that someplace safe so you'll remember to go do such and such and so and so. And it's like, oh okay, I'll put it away.
3: Well, you know, and but it's...
1: then it's away and it doesn't exist.
3: <laughs> and let me tell you, ladies, let me tell you how this plays out sometimes. So this plays out when it comes to like weekly grocery planning. And as you know, with these prices, they got they went up. So oh. you really have to be careful, right? So all of a sudden, Rebecca's running through the house. She's like, there is nothing in this house. We have no food. We're gonna starve. Our kids are not gonna eat when beanie weenies. And I'm like, do 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 do. And I go over to the freezer, and I'm like honey. She's like, what? And she's freaking out. She's come up with a list. She has like 30 things on a list. I said, um, let's see. We have fish. We have chicken. She said, what do you mean? And she comes over. She goes, oh. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so we also have this thing where I'm not allowed to buy extra stuff until I check because oh like God. we have six or seven loaves of bread right now in our deep freezer. Oh no. Because every time I went to the store, I was like, we don't have any
0: bread. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I've learned not to make the mistake of asking my partner, do we have that at home? Because they'll say, they'll say no. Yeah. And then, and we do have the (laughs) mots. Exactly. Now we
1: have
0: two mozzarellas.
1: I think we have like three things of peanut butter now and like six loaves of bread. She went and
3: grabbed the peanut butter. I said, honey, we don't need the peanut butter. She goes, I don't believe you. We're out. I said, honey. I said, okay. I said, well, when you get home, and sure enough, we walked in. And I said, honey, look, there's like two unopened jars of peanut I butter. I mean,
1: thankfully, it's stuff that doesn't like go bad. Like we can freeze it and keep it on the shelf. But like, yeah, uh, I'm real what? bad about that.
0: You're preparing for another pandemic, or you I know am. What? And then no one can have enough peanut butter, so you're welcome, it.
3: Or bread. Rain.
1: Yeah,
3: that's true. Well, I mean, at least we'll be able to feed the whole neighborhood. Mm-hmm. We yeah? can
1: feed the neighbors.
3: Yeah. Charity. Yeah, yeah. things are charity. Like, Lord, charity. It's just like no, just take care of yourself. You don't have enough for yourself. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Lock the door.
3: Lock the doors. Don't let them in. <laughs> the neighbors heard you have the
0: extra peanut
3: butter. <laughs> oh man, that's you know it's interesting and yeah, you know and it's and it's funny because I do. I just I. I, I noticed that as a society, in, in many ways, is so imperfect as it is, we are responding to these types of real life, everyday issues. Because, you know, when you're in the heat of battle, you're not thinking, oh, what are my coping mechanisms or how can I help my my, my spouse or partner? How, how can I help them through this X episode or this Mm -hmm. scenario, and it has to become instinctual. Mm -hmm. Almost, it has to be uh, intentional and instinctual. Like, how do you have it? How do you have that intentionality with something that's almost foreign to yourself, Amy? Like, you know, like, you know, knowing that, oh yeah, Rebecca's moods could switch at any day or from Lorda's perspective, her partner might forget that they already have 12 bags of chips. Like, and you have to talk them down without being rude or insulting. Like, how do you do that?
2: Lots and lots of practice and screwing it up a lot first. That's true.
3: Amen. Although, to be yeah. fair,
2: that's sometimes how therapy works, too. <laughs> sometimes you have to have a few wrong answers before you find the right one. Mm. <laughs>
1: well, I mean, look at us. Like, you had to learn kind of the hard way. mm mm-hmm. At least for the first year, before we even knew what the diagnosis was, you kind of had to, you were in the trenches
3: <laughs> I, 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 I fall short every day, like, because, you know, and I, I, we've, we've said it on the, sh- on the show before You could go, like, you know, weeks, everything is like, quote-unquote normal, whatever that means, right? Um, and then all of a sudden, it's like, you woke up, you're mad, well, Why? I don't know. I don't know. And don't that's what, you know, it's like, or I had a bad dream. One day I took it on a chin for having uh, something I did in her dream.
1: Yeah, you messed me up in my <laughs> dream. Something I did
3: and I took I took one, around, not physically, but you know what I mean, the yeah. proverbial says. Like, I took it on the chin that morning and I was just like, well, we got to talk about this. Well, lay down. You don't have to go anywhere. Let's, uh, let me get you something. Let's, let, let, let's work do, through this. Let's work through this. <laughs> and uh but there
1: are also times where it's like there's a mood shift like that time that you called me and you wanted to tell me something and it was just not the right time because the mood had shifted
3: yeah Mm -hmm. that's that's yes that's the biggest one um is is knowing how to adjust um when you're excited about something so i was excited about something and i went i called her up on the phone to tell her and literally, it was it like okay, wasn't so, the day, and like you know, I don't know, Lourdes, I don't know about your partner, but when it comes to being married to being married to like a human, like like machine, like she's super smart, like so. But when she's in a bad mood because she has bipolar, she'll poke holes in any and everything that you everything. say. She'll find the fault. She can't. She can't help it. I mean, she'd be a great defense attorney just for that. <laughs> like she'll poke holes in everything and i'm calling and i'm excited about stuff and she'll be like well about this 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 and this and i don't know how you think we're gonna do it. i mean and literally by the time i'm like literally i've called with a ray of sunshine and by the time i hang up the phone it's thundering and there are clouds
0: that is that's me I that's you <laughs> 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 my partner will call me is so excited about the new idea that she's got and i'm like well logistically or and like realistically how was this? And then they're like, well, you've rained on my parade.
1: Thank you so much. Yeah. I do the same thing. He was excited about something. And I was like, well, that doesn't like logistically, we won't be able to do that. How do you, how do you think we're going to do
3: that? I'm so sick of you logistically processed people. <laughs> <laughs> Lourdes, tell your partner it's okay. She call anytime.
1: <laughs> They'll be, be big dreamers together. Yeah,
3: we'll dream we'll like dream and oh, like no.
1: He, when you grow up in the Bronx, they
3: that's <laughs> the true. dreams
1: are dead. Well, and that's that's they they it. say that the dreamers and the doers usually end up together and that's how we yep. get things done. <laughs> exactly. I mean the dream that's has true. to have
0: somebody actually doing it because executing
1: the execution is actually the 90
0: percent of the the,
3: part that makes it happen you're like okay babe let's break this down let's figure out how we can do this and get it done all right you said you wanted to do this right (laughs) then let's do it and then then of course the the dreamer is like well screw you i didn't ask you to do it that way but come on fine let's do it and then when it's done you're like oh god you're a genius
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah where's my whiteboard
3: exactly
4: But they
0: don't. Right they, they never have it, and they don't know where it is. But I do. Yes, you know where it is. <laughs> I know where it is. No, but oh. I my yes, it's it, it's not like I I don't want to call myself a pessimist, but I probably am. It it's one thing to have a partner that has ADHD, and then another thing to have an optimistic partner that has ADHD. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, being a pessimist that needs everything to be perfect. See, um, I yeah, we seem to find each other.
1: I consider myself not a pessimist, but a realist. A
0: re- I, thank you very much. That's let's exactly. be
1: real. Let's yes. live in the real world.
0: But unfortunately, the real world is pretty, pretty bad. Pessimistic, right? yeah. Yeah.
3: yeah. See, that's what I'm saying. That's just code word. That's code word. You know, real is just a code word for I'm going to poop in your parade and your, your dreams. <laughs>
1: it's okay. It'll I'm going to break okay. you
3: down, but then I'm going to feel bad. And like 20 minutes later, I'll say, all right, let's figure out how to get it done. Yes. Yes, and then yes, when something yes. goes wrong when you're doing it, you're gonna say, see, I told you. I told you.
0: I, you if you prepare yourself for failure, then, then it's then not you a won't surprise. be surprised. But if if it if it happens, then it's a pleasant surprise. <laughs> and so I'm, you win no matter what. Win win. <laughs> win,
3: win win. Oh God, you should I mean beyond the fact that you guys have two skin tones, I swear you guys are twins. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> you know, genetics is real, right? Genetics is real. <laughs> Um, Dr. D, okay <laughs> le- Get us back focused, please Because this conversation is turning into one of those Friday night, I should have a beverage conversation
2: Well, we definitely should But okay Um, That's true <laughs> I really, after this, might have to go downstairs to the store And get some ice cream and vodka and make a chocolate martini
3: I love it we um, have mo we have mojitos in our fridge. So that do do okay. So when you come to D.C. or we go to Chicago, I want one of those yeah. chocolate uh, martini. uh, martinis. Okay, okay, martini? just so you know, I'm yeah.
2: adequate at cocktails. I'm the worst cook ever.
3: Okay, so so I
2: got that handled.
3: Yes. Yeah. So we're I good. Good, and I'm good at orchestrating. No, I'm kidding. I'm good at cleanup. I'm actually a very good sous chef.
1: He's a very oh, good. good sous chef. Yeah, I'm I'll very
3: handle
2: good. Handle at... drinks. Rebecca can handle food, and you can handle cleaning and up.
1: And you'll clean up after.
3: I'll us. clean up. I love the system. <laughs> there you go, so, Lourdes. But, there's a process. There
0: we go. I love it. And
2: Lourdes can just come over, bring her partner, and hang out.
0: Exactly. Oh my gosh, I don't have to do something that's. <laughs>
3: No. I'm usually doing
0: all three things.
3: And make sure you fly. Because if you put a pessimist in the car to meet people they haven't met before, (laughs) before they even get to Michigan, they've already died in like a horror movie. Oh, yes. Yes. (laughs) I've died.
0: They're serial killers. Yeah,
3: exactly. (laughs) Or,
0: Or they just won't like me. Either one is equally as horrifying. I, yes.
3: s- I swear that's my I – mean, that's that's Rebecca. Oh, my God. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like they, they didn't like me. Like, Actually, they really did like no, you. they didn't like me. Yeah. See, that
0: like... is what I've learned recently. I, I heard a term, and, Amy, I'm not sure if you can tell me more about this, but something about rejection. Uh, sensitivity. Sensitive. Sensitivity, yeah. yeah. and And feeling rejection stronger than other people, mm-hmm. were, where you would take good feedback as nothing, neutral as bad, and bad as the worst thing you've ever
1: yep. felt. Yep, Right.
0: And I just recently said that's me because no. I felt rejection, sensitive dysphoria. Yes. Yes. What? Can you say I mean,
2: anything about that? <laughs> um, I mean, what it's, is that Amy? What is it? It's pretty much exactly what you described. You discount anything good. Somebody might say about you, but you get super invested in anything bad people say. Hmm. Um, hmm. It tends to happen a little bit more in, People who are neurodiverse like ADHD, autism, but honestly, a lot of people can have it. I mean, you're going to see a lot of that in people with depression, Yeah. Mm. Um, anxiety, definitely, because it'll trigger the anxiety. Yeah. Mm. Interesting. It's not a disorder all by itself, but it's something you find with a lot of neurodiverse conditions and mental health disorders, Mm. just because it completely triggers the symptoms.
3: And so what's the best way to treat that? I mean, is it RX or is it just talk therapy?
2: Um, I don't think there's really a medication for insecurity. so <laughs>
1: I wish there was.
3: Boom, smack me. That's true. Um,
2: <laughs> I wish. That would be great. Um, but yeah, basically therapy or even just having a friend or a family member. Who knows how to talk you down?
0: Mm. Mm. My therapist often and, – and there are times where this is really – comforting to hear and other mm-hmm. times where i'm deeply upset by mm-hmm. her saying how do we challenge that uh, i don't know mm-hmm. how do we challenge that <laughs> and it's always just to do it
4: mm-hmm.
0: just to and and this is a problem with being a, a logically thinking person mm-hmm. is that you know how to you know what you need to do it's just about actually doing it mm-hmm. and like obviously i know this person is probably Probably having a bad day, or maybe has nothing. To, it has nothing mm-hmm. to do with me. Who am I to say that? However, you know this neutral interaction I've just had means mm-hmm. this person now hates me, and I'm the worst person in the world. How do I it- challenge that? By Remembering those things, I...
1: it's it's almost it's almost a little bit of an arrogance, right? Like because yes. we've met somebody and like they didn't immediately react the way we wanted them to react, so now they hate us, and it's like how arrogant of us mm-hmm. to just assume that it's that... all about us, exactly. Then I <laughs> okay, now I
2: you found yourself a way to criticize yourself. Yes, but, okay, this just got complicated. Um...
3: <laughs> yeah, I like, oh, Annie, no. yeah, you tossed another layer. I'm, I'm 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 getting my my potato chips, and I'm listening. Go ahead. <laughs> She just found
2: a way to reject herself for the rejection sensitivity dysphoria.
1: There we go. I'm good at this. (laughs) (laughs) That's how good I am. (laughs) Mm.
3: What's oh my goodness. Not only do I have this
1: thing, I'm super arrogant for it. And Uh, I'm a terrible person, which is And I'm a terrible person. (laughs) It all comes (laughs) back.
3: Amy, I think you have tons of follow-up. Go ahead. Ask questions. I'm sitting here enjoying this conversation now.
2: No, I want to go back to, um, let's see, what was it I wanted to go back to now? So the idea of, you know, ADHD, autism, and how it gets not diagnosed, how things get missed. And so, like I said, some of it's school funding.
1: A lot of it's school funding though, because if uh. you don't have the money to do it, then they're not even going to try. Like they can't even try.
2: And psych testing costs a lot of money.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So
2: not every family has, you know, even the knowledge that it exists sometimes, but if they do, it may or may, they may or may not have the money to pay cash for it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Or even have good insurance that'll cover it. So yeah, finances are a big piece of it, but also, you know, um, I actually started this conversation on my Twitter feed a while back. Okay, if you went undiagnosed till adulthood, what was happening? What do you think was happening? And a lot of times, you know, people would say, okay, when I was a child, you know, an adult floated this idea, but nobody ever followed up on it. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, my teacher said they thought I might have this, but for some reason that either never got passed on to a school counselor or somehow they didn't follow up on it. You know, one person not following up on something. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, And when sometimes
2: I, it was cultural. Sometimes it was the families are like, yeah. nope, we're not dealing with it. Yeah.
0: I brought up the, the idea that society has made it that these aspects of us make us productive people. Mm-hmm. And just recently, and, and this is another thing about going undiagnosed, My I, talking with my therapist mm-hmm. for three or four years and having a psychiatrist now, she's floating around the idea that I may be on the autism spectrum. Mm-hmm. And that was like, I was like, I- impossible. But I mean it's not like I'm the only I would be the only autistic person in my family. It's not unfathomable and it's not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. But it's one of those things that's like how could that be if my entire life I've been told I am such an efficient person and I do all these things so wonderfully and I'm so quiet and I'm so oh that's why. That's exactly why I'm those I'm this way because of these this undiagnosed thing that I'm mm-hmm. you know still trying to and testing mm-hmm. is a difficult thing and it's still something that I'm working on because it's you know it's also not free and it's Mm -hmm. it's it's difficult
1: to get and it takes time but it's also much harder to do as an adult woman as an adult Mm -hmm. exactly yeah because i mean if they a lot of doctors are like well if you didn't show signs in childhood then you just don't have it
0: yeah Mm -hmm. and again talking with the family i told some of my family this and they were completely no you don't you don't because you just Mm -hmm. don't because we know you and what does that have to do with you know anything. I could very much be on the spectrum and it would explain a lot of my behavior and my feelings mm-hmm. and my, my need to have things the way that I need them and my repetitive natures and my fixations and, and just my interactions and social mm-hmm. awkwardness and anxiety since I was five years old. It's It makes sense. It all makes yeah. sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but
2: there are also other things that can cause the same thing. Like yeah. I have some of the same things, but it's not because of a neurodiversity specifically it's because we moved a lot when I was a kid yeah mm-hmm. and every place you move the social rules change mm-hmm. so it still takes me a while to kind of sit back figure out the social rules because it wasn't an automatic process it was you know I'm going into this school full of total strangers who already have a bunch of friends and I need to figure out real fast how to get by here yeah so you also have to look at other th- um you know and honestly, there's still a big problem with mental health professionals not taking cultural background into account. There's still mm-hmm. a lot of things that, for example, are overdiagnosed in other cultures. For example, you know, traditional white American culture, you're supposed to be able to sit down in a classroom and behave yourself by the time you're four or five. Mm-hmm. Whatever. That's not natural. That's not how children actually work. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm and so cultures that let their children run around a lot more where the children are noisier not even misbehaving but running running climbing shouting as children do sometimes get diagnosed when they're not stigmatized in that way Mm -hmm. and then there are other people who actually do have a diagnosis but it doesn't get caught because they're not noisy yeah they're not causing anybody any problems except in having the problems themselves yeah yeah. so it gets very complicated like that trying to look at every possible explanation for something that's showing up and also just a question of how much is it affecting your life yeah. um, is this worth pursuing diagnosis and treatment mm-hmm. and it might be or it might be you know whatever it is i've learned to live with it and it hasn't been causing me a lot of trouble so maybe that, not
0: yeah that's exactly in my case we've come to the conclusion that what how would this benefit me it really Mm -hmm. wouldn't and i've lived my entire life and i there are benefits i like to think of some of these things as my superpower sometimes Mm -hmm. people are like how are you human because i i'm just i don't know i'm just better than all of you Mm -hmm. because i'm neurodivergent (laughs) (laughs) that's that's the way you have to think of it because Mm -hmm. people make it seem like oh autism oh my goodness oh adhd oh you poor thing no i'm just Superior. I'm just, and it's I'm just, better than, just mm-hmm. better than you. I'm just better than you. And it's not. It's and it. You have to put it that way to combat that 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 thinking. That oh my goodness, you must feel so bad. I don't. I feel great, and I I've learned to live life, and I live a fulfilling life. And there's really no need. If I want to, I can. But there's no need to slap on a label to myself. I can just exist and mm-hmm. behave, and and just continue to be a, a, a good person. Right. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, there's not always a reason to have a label. I mean, as long as you're comfortable and like Amy says, as long as a diagnosis isn't going to affect your life, like why go through all of the trouble of it?
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, don't just accept the idea that you have to be fixed because something is different. Yeah. What is the purpose of it?
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, that does make sense. Mm
0: Now, for the things that don't work out so great, how can we treat that? How can mm-hmm. we work on that? That's, right. But it doesn't change whether I knew what it was, the name of mm-hmm. it or not. It doesn't change that I need to to fix or necessarily fix, but, but help me live with whatever is right. plaguing me at the moment.
2: Mm-hmm. And I hate to say it, but especially in – you know, a society where healthcare is expensive, therapy is expensive, there aren't enough resources for the people who can't afford really good insurance or paying cash for therapy. Yeah. We really have to consider, you know, priorities. And then even school funding is affected by that because in so many places, school funding is affected by property taxes.
3: Yeah. Uh, you know, just, just to jump in, I think I was listening to the Chicago City debate, the uh-huh. special election. And didn't I hear the, the the candidate that actually won the community mm-hmm. act, act advocate uh-huh. and activist? He mentioned that you guys cut mental health counseling at one point or money for it mm-hmm. in the budget under whether it's the last mayor or the mayor before that, and he wants to restore it or increase it. I think right. something like going on there.
2: There's a lot. Um, so every time there's a major financial reverse. You know, I can distinctly remember, you know, the real estate crash of 2008. There were cities in Chicago that had 50% unemployment rates.
1: Oh geez. Oh my god. Wow.
2: And yes, I did say 50%. Um and, you know, mental health and um other stigmatized things, we we lost like 50% of our mental health facilities that were publicly funded around that time, a whole bunch of AIDS treatment centers, AIDS and HIV treatment centers, so easy to stigmatize, easiest people who's um, to cut the budget on. So a lot of substance abuse centers were closed. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, everybody, you know, not everybody, but a lot of people are verbally in favor of it. But then there's the NIMBYs who don't want it in their neighborhood. They're like, yes, I'm totally in favor of better mental health care. Let's do this. Just not where I have to look at it. Mm hmm. And NIMBYs is, you know, it's definitely a derogatory term. term, It stands for not in my backyard. Yep. So there's all of this, you know, politically and financially. And a lot of what's happening in Chicago is whenever they need to cut the budget on something, these are very vulnerable people, vulnerable organizations. And it's a lot easier to cut their budget than something else.
3: Right, and it's yeah, like you said, it's e- it's easily to make them the other, and uh-huh. automatically cut it. Yeah, yeah. Ugh. I'm sorry. I, I I thought of that when we were talking about mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you guys, ladies, were talking, um, you know, I, I just you know, I thought about well, you know, public funding, you mm-hmm. know, for mental health treatment is such a huge topic, and the reason why because it's always a roller coaster funding um, mm-hmm. line item.
1: Yeah, always. Because it gets cut by one person and then put back in by another person and it's right. just, it's never mm-hmm. stable. Right.
2: And it depends a lot on, you know, which project is somebody's baby. That's true. Uh-huh. That's
3: true. That's true. That's true. And so and then so and and, and I'm going to circle this back to the conversation, mm-hmm. because both all of you touched on something really interesting about young people not being quote unquote, like you talked about Amy, like, um, uh, essentially, uh, the sort of white student prototype uh, in the classroom, and how, and how that's affected by not only color, but also by diagnosis. And I tell you mm-hmm. why. When our oldest was in middle school, at the time he, we were just learning about ADHD and also coping mechanisms. Mm-hmm. This is where I have a struggle with school resource officers too, uh, and, and you know, and I really struggle with the nuances of that. But then also, he was in a classroom with a teacher who refused to be compassionate that he had a fidget spinner, mm-hmm. which literally before they became a toy, it really. He would fidget something would ha- it would help him focus mm-hmm. she called the resource officer and he was in trouble and literally automatically put in the file that he was a troublemaker in school because he wouldn't listen mm-hmm. and so this is how this is happening a lot and i'm considering poor whites and people of color mm-hmm. neighborhoods is that they're dealing with some real like challenges right and instead of being compassionate and having the skills To address them appropriately, they're automatically signed them up for the school to prison pipeline. And and I thought of Lourdes and I thought of Rebecca and I thought of just like, you know, working people and families everywhere, what they might be dealing with um, when it comes to these, you know, diagnoses. And so what do you say? what, What say all three of you to that?
1: Well, I remember that. I remember that, mm-hmm. and it 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 was it wasn't a fidget spinner. He took apart his pen. Oh,
3: that's what it was. And he was
1: playing with the spring. That's right. And she said that that could be a weapon, and that it could fly out of his hand and poke somebody's eye out. And that's so he put it in his pocket, but then he was in his pocket playing with it, and that mm-hmm. agitated her. So then the resource officer got involved to come in and take it from him, and we were just like, really. Like you had to get the resource officer involved in this. You couldn't just send him to the principal's office or something. Like yeah. we we had to go that route. Um, but I've seen it happen with other kids. Just my my cohorts as growing up
4: mm-hmm.
1: is how the 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 undiagnosed or even the diagnosed kid with ADD is being um, inattentive and causing commotion within the classroom. And who gets called? But the resource officer because. The counselors don't know how to deal with it. Yeah. My nephew has a... Um... It, we've, it, we're trying
0: to find things. He likes to chew on his shirt and he likes to chew on his sleeve. And we've been mm-hmm. trying to figure out ways to combat that. So we got him a necklace. That's a, It's in the mm-hmm. shape of a Lego, but it's nice and, and plastic. It's soft for him to chew on. Mm-hmm. And he, we just got him comfortable enough to bring it to school because it is to him a little bit embarrassing. Mm-hmm. He brought it to school. And the first day he brought it to school, his teacher scolded him. And he was in trouble for having it in his mouth and my sis my sister his his mother had to send a whole article to his teacher about why this was kind of an unacceptable thing for her to do not kind of it was unacceptable mm-hmm. and why yeah. he needs it and it's it sucks that we have to even send resources to explain hey this kid that you know that has ADHD and sensory issues and and more needs this thing to just chew on. He's not hurting anybody. He's not bothering anybody. It's not a weapon. It's not a disturbance. So what is the issue?
2: Right. And in point of fact, you're trying to help keep the classroom calm and focused by providing him with what he needs for that to happen.
0: hmm
1: hmm And that was kind of our issue too, was it's like he was in his pocket playing with the spring. hmm Like he wasn't bothering you.
0: Yeah. And at some point, we've been also trying to figure out how to get him a para. Um, and his teachers sat down with my sister and were like, you know, we think this could hinder him socially. So we don't want to do that. And we were completely <laughs> flabbergasted by that socially. We're not worried. Socially. Like, like what, what do you mean? Like, it's, it's, it's embarrassing. Is that what you're trying to tell us? Is that something that he should be ashamed of that? He needs a little bit of an extra an, an aid to help him further himself educationally. You're concerned that kids are going to what make fun of him. I think what you're concerned about is that it looks it it seems strange to you and that's, you're not being honest about that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Plus if the other
2: kids are harassing him, isn't that kind of her job?
0: Hey,
1: so, well, goodness <laughs> <gracious>. hey. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Like, isn't that one of the things a teacher is supposed to manage or?
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. So, so on that, just recognizing, you know, and this is an entire rant of mine. I could probably do an entire episode on this single handedly. So I'll be as brief as I can. But, like, there is a decision to be made when you're a teacher. And I'm making it, you know, at the, at the community college level, but for every teacher, which do you value more, obedience or learning? Mm,
1: mm. That's very true. And mm. at, at so, every level, so, there are far too mm.
2: many teachers. And honestly, sometimes they're pressured to do so by the schools
1: mm-hmm. to
2: prioritize obedience or to conflate the ideas of obedience and learning as if they were the same thing.
3: You you have to unpack that a little bit more. Yeah.
1: But so I th- don't think that just goes for teachers in schools. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were, it's also how and you were raised, I mean, think uh-huh. about it, like children are seen and not heard and like yeah. you have to be obedient Mm-hmm. That was like the first thing we were taught is to be obedient uh-huh. even before you get into the school. I'm sorry. Some of right. these
3: kids can learn that today, but I won't digress. No, I'm kidding.
1: <laughs> your kids are good kids.
3: <laughs> Amy, you got to unpack the, the that, that statement. Obedience mm-hmm. versus learning. And so because now you're saying, educator, it's your fault that you're not reaching that young person. But the educator might say, well, then, Amy, tell me what should I do when there's... not 15, but 20, 25, or 30 or more kids in my classroom.
2: Well, like that educator is also caught up in a system that's obsessed with obedience. Yep. They're under pressure from the administrators. Um, Everybody probably learned some stuff in, you know, college that, in teacher college that isn't necessarily helpful, that maybe that conflates obedience and learning. So think about just a simple example of homework. So you give thirty kids, um, say twenty math problems to solve, and bring back the next day, right?
4: Mm-hmm.
2: So an obedience framework is, you know, if you do not bring those back and are at least almost all correct, there is something wrong here.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: and everybody isn't that uniform, so. Looking at, okay, how would you handle the same situation differently if you genuinely valued learning more than obedience? And from the teacher's point of view, if you had the resources to do that.
4: Mm. Mm. Now,
2: At the college I, wor- um, I work at,
4: mm-hmm.
2: the teachers have a lot of academic freedom and a union to back it up, so I can do what I want. So I give a lot of open, note, open book tests, but with stuff that they're going to have to look up in the notes in the book just because psychology changes so much so fast that there, there are a lot of things that there's no point memorizing and it's more important for them to develop the skills to look it up so that, you know, five, 10, 20 years down the road, when all our knowledge has changed and improved, they're not still, go- they don't have to just sit back and work with 20 year old knowledge from, you know, Psych 101. You know, right. but that's also my classroom at a school where I have pretty much complete freedom to do what I want, as long as it's
3: reasonable. And I, and I, and I joined the collaborative learning environment. Right. In fact, it's just, it's just more effective.
2: It is, than, it you is.
3: Know, you know, in general,
2: mm-hmm. yeah. So thinking about like testing, is it about obedience? Is it, did you obediently learn what you were supposed to learn, spit it back on the test? Or did you genuinely learn it in, in some meaningful way, even if some people learned it you know, a little earlier than others and others needed a little more time. So, I mean, I have the flexibility to do that. And it's not just educators, it's not just like teacher you're supposed to do better, but administrators, um, the people who give the administrators their jobs, school boards, you know, taking this question seriously, is obedience the most important thing we could be teaching our children? And every classroom has to have some obedience expectations. You can't just have a free-for-all. No. Right. But having that be kind of a balanced, thoughtful decision. And I feel like that would inherently be more inclusive of different learning styles.
3: Well, and, you know, it's, it's so funny because exactly what Lourdes was pointing out about mm-hmm about the para in a classroom. If you have over 15 young people, you should already have a para. Yeah. Because we went through this in Massachusetts. Now, so this is why Massachusetts has it had like a, an inclusive environment when we were there. Um, the, the, it was already like it baked into the classroom that a para would work. So they did mm-hmm. direct instruction. So they, mm-hmm. they they worked in learning pods and the para was already there. So mm-hmm. when Sebastian had problems, it looked like this pair was just working with everyone. I uh-huh. didn't even know it. So the fact that the educator created an oppositional environment for Lourdes and her family, that, I mean, it's almost, like you said, I mean, this is, this is systemic.
4: Uh-huh.
2: And especially in communities of color, I feel like that goes back to all of the trauma that they've experienced over generations where obedience becomes a survival skill. Knowing when to keep your mouth shut becomes a survival skill. And then schools tend to you know, favor children who do that, but it's in some people it's actually a trauma response. And then that kind of just reinforces that.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when you talk about generational trauma, um, mm-hmm. this is kind of off the topic of what you're talking about now. Mm-hmm. But generational trauma, I learned um, of a study that they did with mice, mm-hmm. where they introduced the smell of cherries, and every time they smelled cherries, they got a shock. Uh-huh. And so, because we all know Pavlov, they mm-hmm. started to avoid the cherries. Right. Um. Their grandchildren avoided cherries. Yes. And they never got the shock. Their children avoided it and their grandchildren avoided it. Right. And they never went through the study. Mm -hmm. And that is just fascinating to me that our trauma will go that far down, even though Mm -hmm. they didn't experience it. Right.
2: And so whether it's parents with very strong obedience expectations or teachers, you know, sometimes that's going back a few generations to a time when that was a really necessary survival skill.
4: Mm -hmm.
2: That somehow, you know never got adapted to when they were no longer in that situation or, you know, with people who are experiencing racism, sexism, uh, sex and gender based trauma today, you know, it might still be a good survival skill in some situations that shouldn't be happening.
4: Mm -hmm.
2: So obedience is, you know, also just related to the social idea of, you know, who are the bosses, who are the workers, who are the owners Mm -hmm. kind of thing. But you know, to, to bring it back to the classroom and focus it a little more, just this idea that the most important thing a child can do is obey, as opposed to the most important thing a child can do is learn, and how to try and make that separation as much as is available in a certain classroom.
3: Mm. Yeah. And I, I mean, how I don't know if I want to call it horrible. Mm-hmm. But I want to say how sad it is in a society where either young people will tease someone with a para, because mm-hmm. it is a thing. It, it is a l- thing. L- Lord is, It is a thing, and some teachers are frightened mm-hmm. because it creates, sometimes a para in the classroom does create, oh, well, why does, he or she get it and I don't. And yeah, it, it
1: either creates a jealousy thing or it does create a teasing mm-hmm. thing. But at mm-hmm. any
3: point, you do what's best for the young person. I don't care what anyone says. And you mm-hmm. call them out and it's, it, you use it as an opportunity to redirect behavior. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, but it is it is a thing. But outside of a society that we live in that we give in to yeah, those. Exactly. Yeah. you yeah. know
1: The
0: lack of of mm-hmm. teaching young kids compassion and empathy, I think stems mm-hmm. really deeply because they become adults who do not have compassion and empathy for others. And we, we just learn that, okay, you don't fit the box. You don't fit inside of the mold that you're supposed to. You're weird. And mm-hmm. you're also stressed and you're, you're, you're just, mm-hmm. you don't fit. And it's not right. It starts mm-hmm. with not having the parent school to, you know, everything else in life. Mm-hmm.
4: Right.
2: And then, you know, when a kid gets bullied, a lot of times, you know, the main solution, since it's easier than actually confronting a bully and dealing with that, is like, here's how you don't get bullied.
1: Yeah. They teach him how not to get bullied instead of how not to be a bully.
2: Which doesn't even work, but okay. Um, Yeah.
3: Yeah, And then there's the generational trauma right there. uh Mm. And it starts it starts with your peers, starts at home, with peers. It's like in some people in some communities can't get it. You can't you get it everywhere. Mm -hmm. Uh Can't catch a break. And um and you and then you wonder why, like you said, Lourdes, when you grow up, you're guarded because Mm -hmm. you didn't catch a break. No one was no compassion.
2: Right. And then we go back to Lourdes' book, and you know, it features, you know, children being taught how to handle a mental illness, how to work with that. You even see you know, Elijah, the brother that doesn't have a mental illness that we know of, actually doing some of the coping skills with his brother who does. I think there's a picture of them like meditating together and doing other coping skills together. Mm
4: -hmm.
2: And that really countering some of these damaging messages. So, do you wanna kind of bring it back to, you know, all these things we're talking about, you know, how much of it, you know, was on your mind when you were writing the book? How much were you consciously trying to work on some of this? It
0: was and, and I would credit having this being a part of my thesis is having so many uh-huh. eyes and, and thankfully so many people who read it over and over and over again and asked me these questions because Mm -hmm. having this being a part of your thesis you had to go in knowing who's your target audience why are you doing Mm -hmm. this and every decision had to be purposeful so that these questions Mm -hmm. and these things that you're bringing up i'm really glad that you they're they they're noticed because they were the Mm -hmm. intention to try and make this as inclusive not just for kids with mood disorders but for everybody and for people mm-hmm. who, who are, who have loved ones that have mood disorders and how they can help and how can they, they can be a part mm-hmm. of that life because it, it's a, it's a, it's a life. It's a, it's not, it doesn't mm-hmm. end. It doesn't ever go away. The, right. the cloud doesn't just become yellow and you fade into the sunset. They're, the days are going to cycle mm-hmm. and the clouds are going to change and you have to continue to be present and, you know, having those resources and knowing what to do, it, it's key.
3: Mm-hmm. I, I, I feel like I feel like a book like this really could help create Community right You know what mm-hmm. solutions oriented Community yeah. you know
2: mm-hmm. no. So did you say you were working on A book on ADHD no,
0: no, no. it's What no. I hope to do next uh, It was in mm-hmm. response to the question Is there more with Manny's mood Cods I think The story yeah. for that I've I was mm-hmm. done And I think there's so mm-hmm. many different Stories that need to be told
2: I was actually thinking that there's some interesting marketing possibilities there for increasing inclusion, like actually having like mood cards in different colors.
3: So a child could just
2: pick out the right color. (gasps) Or even like having coloring pages on a website somewhere that they could do. For my
0: thesis, I had to create a gallery Uh space. And then we needed to have um, collateral pieces where we gave away things. So I had stickers. I was Uh taking a... A screen printing class at the time so I made tote bags mm-hmm. I had an actual like stand like a stand up cardboard um, uh-huh. uh, what are they called they're like stand up pieces of Manny and Elijah so people can take photos uh-huh. and I had the, the clouds hanging uh-huh. from the ceiling I had activities and I recreated the li- the uh-huh. therapist scene where I, I painted the walls I had couches so all those things I have like, like <laughs> they're in like a, a flash drive Mm-hmm. which is oh, that's awesome nothing, they're
1: not doing anything mm-hmm. oh they should be doing something <laughs> mm-hmm.
3: yeah. yeah you know i was sitting here as i was looking at that i'm like what a great family game or classroom mm-hmm. game to kind of play um almost like a uh almost like maybe a charades so or what's the game we play when we're out of town with the kids um the little we you know ask Pursuit, trivia pursuit trivia pursuit type um game using the clouds like amy yeah. said mm-hmm. well there's an opportunity for some cool really cool games there uh-huh. yeah yeah that's true well Lourdes thank you so much for 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 coming and you know this is one of, we've been on here an hour and 25 minutes this is mm-hmm. a good show uh we've been <laughs> because I didn't even pay attention to the time Mm-mm. um hang on lordis we we have one we have our proverb. Our proverb of the week, and Rebecca. So part of part of it is Rebecca will read this proverb. She'll tell something that hit her soul at some point, and then she'll read it. She'll tell you how she feels, and we'll go around the uh, I won't say the room, <laughs> around the network, baby, and yeah. everyone will get to respond.
1: So it's an African proverb this week. Nice. The path is made by walking. So so I think it's just You have to begin You have to start somewhere mm-hmm. Sometimes there isn't always a path You have to make your path mm-hmm. And you do that by starting
3: I, I noticed that it didn't say crawl though But I won't overanalyze I'm an English major, I can't help uh, Amy, do you want to take it next?
2: Yeah, I got something similar But it was more like You can't be afraid to be the first person To do something Somebody oh. has to be the first
1: that's true uh-huh. that's true i like that one
3: yeah, i like that one too mm-hmm. that's really good lord is what say you i
0: think this is what my therapist talks about when she says the challenge how do you challenge yourself and we know logistically mm-hmm. it's to do and getting our legs to walk and, and go down that path it's it's the mm-hmm. issue but it's the solution and the only way to mm-hmm. get to the solution is to to do it
1: yep to start walking
3: I can't go back i can't help but to say it didn't say crawl it said walk oh and God. i know am i overanalyzing it yes well because you know what because i'll say the reason why in marketing and pr and like the whole social media thing president obama used it it's called the crawl walk run method okay
1: but you also have to so, understand a proverb that says you must learn how to crawl before you can walk i, I know didn't come from africa this is from africa they they just say to start to walk on the path
3: well, see, I noticed. So, it, yeah. So, it takes a certain level of maturity to get there. Yeah. Like, for me, for me, like, like you said, like it, it is to do, but it's also to take everything from your foundation and never forget mm-hmm. where you came from. Mm-hmm. Because you're not crawling here. You're walking. You're walking. And you're not running. You don't move too fast now. Mm-hmm. But be wise and walk.
1: Very good. Yeah. I like that. Yeah,
3: that's kind of like where I am here. I like this that one. one. All right. <laughs> Well, everyone out there across the land, we hope you've enjoyed um L- Lordis. Um and, and not, pronounce your last name. It is Ubadia Ubidia. Ubedia
0: in English. It's Ubedia.
3: Ubedia. 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 It's beautiful. Um Manny's Mood Clouds. It's a wonderful book. I you know I actually you ladies don't understand that like listening to the conversation today I love just stepping back and listen and Lourdes don't you ever tell me you don't you don't open up cuz today you were just you opened up I don't know yes. what you know maybe it was just us maybe we all do need to get together <laughs> over, some, over some wine and cocktails and food because, Lourdes, you opened it, up. It was, it was
0: the recognizing that I don't, that I needed to. And it was the challenge that needed to be overcome. There you go. There you How go. do you challenge do that? that?
3: There you go. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, listen, I will drop the link um, uh, to where you can purchase it. Lourdes, do you want us to also post any social media places or you like to be private?
0: Oh, no, I have uh, an Instagram. It's New York Stoop Kid, uh, reference to Hey Arnold, if you know, you know. Um, mm-hmm. but Yeah, that's my social media
3: Okay As an urban kid, I understand the stoop set We used to have them all the time Even when we lived in Baltimore We'd, um, we'd go with friends and they would cook And sit out front and drink wine And all that stuff Or I'd sit out front on my stoop yeah. Totally <laughs> dig it all right. Well, thank you. Amy, Dr. D, this season has been great. We're coming down to the end. We're like we're the last what, like five shows. Yep. Uh-huh. And uh, this has been an amazing season with you. And I always love the fact that you're now hosting the show with us. And um, and I'm hoping that we can have a I hope you come back for a five and don't blow oh, us yeah. off. You know. You know. I hope our show is better than that new Martha's Vineyard show that just came out on Bravo. <laughs> oh, maybe me like oh, barf. Yeah uh that one <laughs> yeah yeah there's
2: plenty to talk about we could still be doing this a few decades from now when we're all um checking in from separate nursing homes
3: <laughs> yeah, very yeah. True. there's so
1: much to talk about
3: well it's mm-hmm. funny because i talk about the 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 sort of the overall like like mm-hmm. sort of show the spirit or the attitude or the, you know behind the show each season was completely different mm-hmm. and this one was interesting because we had so many experts this year mm-hmm versus in previous years you know yeah. so this
0: is our expert year
3: and you know what and you know what i'm hoping people are not getting bored i, I don't think they are because the numbers they're
1: keep... still listening they're yeah. still they're
3: still listening so <laughs> <laughs> all
1: right what is the song today
3: so so i thought see i'm always asking our guests and lord feel free d- do this for me think about a song that inspired you this week and we will definitely play it, like, at our next show yeah. in honor of you. But this week, I wanted to kind of take people to Washington, D.C. There's, I mean, it is always, and, and New Yorkers heard this, talk, so there's always this talk about what go-go music is. And it is a very local sort of, like, like you know, uh, genre. Yes. But this one particular, it's, it, it's a mix of, like, in honor of all the jazz and blues festivals that are getting ready to go on, Um, uh, it's, it's a mix of jazz, blues and it's really good his name is Chuck Brown he's gone he's dead but in honor of Washington DC and the east coast and 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 sort of just like blues and jazz and funk lovers everywhere i'm going to play um, the one piece from one of his um one of his uh, soundtracks. So, have a great week. We'll see you for a panel. I believe Amy in a, a, mm-hmm. in a couple weeks. In a couple weeks, we're doing a really cool. Oh, what, what is the, the panel is on? If if um, I didn't think I could make it,
1: yeah, oh, people who they thought make, they couldn't make it,
3: people who thought they couldn't make it, and you know, mental and, health
2: condition who didn't think they would really get better.
3: Uh, yes, yes. yes. Wow. Mm-hmm. super excited yeah. about that. Yeah, yeah. yes. Yeah. Thank you, ladies, <laughs> so
1: much for spending the evening Thank with you us. guys for having me.
3: Thank you. All right, I'll Rebecca,
1: congratulations again. You Thank you, Amy.
3: Yes. Oh, yeah, congratulations. Oh, Rebecca got into Kent State, which is another historical school for women and the and what wasn't it? Wasn't the fight for women's rights on Kent State who, who died? How did that happen? Remind me. I don't me. know. Remind me, Amy. I thought it was the Vietnam
1: War um, was protest. It, the, it was the war protest. Sure. Yes, Vietnam. the
3: war protest. And it, it made Nash international news. Yes. yes, it did. Don't, whatever you do, if you make good trouble, make good trouble. Good trouble. You mm-hmm. go. Yes. Good that's it. Good that. trouble. Good trouble. Hi. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Night. I want
4: y'all to make some noise, kitty. One more time. I love you so much. Oh, you're spoiling me now. You're spoiling me, y'all. I want to start off easy. You're so breezy. I want to start off easy, y'all. A little bit of life. Oh, I love you so much. Thank you so much for coming out tonight. Tell you nothing but the truth. You're looking out of sight. But you don't hold what you got. This is your spot. Do it like you want it because we love the young life. Especially shouting out to all the lovely young ladies. And, uh We got some bad light horn plays up here. we going to let them warm up for you in a minute. Uh-huh. You ready? Oh, yeah. Y'all been ready. You was ready before I got you, right?